you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. His name is great. And above all others, I'm glad I know the name of Jesus and the power in his name. Amen. Our youth will be dismissed. You can be seated tonight. Let's get into the word of the Lord. Thank you so much to our praise and worship team tonight for coming and leading us. I want to pick back up tonight on a subject that we started uh, a few weeks ago as we began um, a basic holiness series. And um, I'm starting on some peripheral subjects. I'm calling them peripheral subjects because as I mentioned uh, when we started uh, this series that um, I was not going to start uh, laying out lists and rules and what we can do and cannot do, but I was going to begin, first of all, by dealing with matters of the spirit and matters of the heart and work our way uh, through some of these things. Tonight, um, I'm going to talk to you about the spirit of this age and this is um, our second lesson in our Basic Holiness series, and I believe that uh, this is a very important uh, piece for us to consider when we start talking about holiness. Our holiness is both uh, in our conduct, our words, our actions, and uh, is so far more reaching than in our uh, dress or outward appearance. Sometimes we hang uh, our hat on holiness being uh, only an outward appearance, but it is also an outward expression. And uh, it's the expression. What is on the inside will appear on the outside more than just in how we uh, how we uh, look and appear, but how we conduct ourselves and how we, uh, who we align ourselves with and uh, what spirits that we align ourselves with. And these are matters of holiness that uh, I believe God is calling the church to. If you would like a scripture tonight uh, as a foundation to move into, we'll read James chapter 4 and... Um, I'm going to, to use this as my start into uh, this particular lesson. Uh, I recognize the time. They cut things a little short. I will try to uh, not go beyond 8.15 or so tonight uh, so that you can um, be able to, to maintain at least a great portion of what I say. So I'll do my best tonight uh, to, to try to keep keep that time pace in mind and, um, and not belabor all the points tonight. But James chapter 4 reads as such, submit yourself therefore to God. Submit yourself. I want you to say that with me. Submit yourself. Submit yourself therefore to God. Submitting yourself is an important important, important phrase, submitting yourself. You cannot, you cannot serve God based on somebody mandating uh, what you do and saying this is what you can do and what you cannot do. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist 
the devil. Resist. I want you to get that now. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, let, let, me, just, let me just say this. Uh, I'm going to read a little more, but before I do, be careful who you build alliances with. Be careful who you build alliances with. Be careful of building alliances with ungodly spirits or with ungodly people. Even, even in the church. Can somebody say amen? Be careful who you build alliances with. Never entertain ungodly spirits, ungodly actions. All of these things will, will lead us. Show, take, take a man, any man, choose any of us, and look at the people, the five closest people that are, that are around him, the people that, that he associates with, the closest people to them most likely is what they are becoming. This is why it is so very important that we choose people who are helping us grow in God, grow in our walk with God, in our, in our relationship with God. Not people who are bent on sin, not people who are uh, trying to find a, an avenue or a way to, to cover their sin but people who are trying to come out from their sin. And so uh, be careful who you build alliances with. The scripture says resist, resist the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Now, this uh, James chapter 4, verse 7 says, submit yourselves. Chapter t uh, Verse 10 says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. If we could get this correct, if we could ever get this right, that it is not through self-exaltation that we are going to find greatness. But we will find greatness by humbling ourselves in the sight of God, in obedience to God, and when the time is right, let God, allow God to elevate us and to exalt us and to lift us up. Now, there are a lot of spirits that are rampant, and tonight we're going to talk about the spirit of this age, the spirit of this age. And uh, I'm going to point out about 10 or so spirits that are very prevalent in this age, and in this, in this look at uh, basic holiness, I want us to consider these spirits and they should never be manifest in our lives. And secondly, we should be careful that the people that we are associating with and spending time and energy to build relationships with, that they also should not be people, we should not choose people to to grow and do life with, so to speak, that are, uh, that are not looking for the same things that we are looking for in life. And uh, that is allowing the spirit of this age. So we have to resist it. We have to resist the spirit of this age because the spirit of this age is undoing everything that past generations have worked to build up. I'm going to say that again. The spirit that I'm going to talk about tonight, the spirit of this age, is on a mission to unravel what previous generations of godliness and holiness and separation and good moral and Christian character has built up. They want to unravel it and tell us it doesn't matter anymore. It's not important anymore. But I come tonight to remind you that everything that the Word of God declared that was good a hundred years ago or 50 years ago or 500 years ago should stand today. The God's moral character and the moral character that He expects out of His people has not changed. 
and it does not change with time. Time changes. People change. Uh, I, I was talking to someone the other day. I was dealing with an issue, uh, quite honestly, um, and uh, a situation, I, I'll be somewhat vague uh, in, in how that I say this, but someone had brought up right and wrong, what was right and what was wrong, and they were comparing uh, a, very common, uh, a very common issue in this age, and that is uh, the, the, the big question of same-sex marriage and same-sex relationships. And uh, they were comparing it with other basic principles of outward appearance. Now this is a so-called preacher. Now I want you to get this. Now not, not, not a United Pentecostal Church preacher, don't get But in a question put to test, in where do you stand, are, are you okay with this? Are you okay with this now? The question that was raised was, are you now, because this person one time believed probably much more closely to what we would believe, so this person was asked, so where do you stand on this issue? Do you now believe that it is okay for men to dress as women? And the, the answer that came back absolutely startled me because the answer was if it is culturally acceptable I would be okay with it if it was culturally acceptable so I raised a question so does culture now dictate what we believe and teach and preach is right and wrong I'm talking about the spirit of this age because the spirit of this age works to desensitize and cause us to believe that there are things that are norms in our culture. And it, this isn't something that's just started. If you think, if you think, now, now be careful and hold on to your seat real tight while, while I talk and don't, don't run out the door on me when I make this statement tonight. But if you think that some of our elders had it wrong when they preached and took strong stands against Hollywood and the movie industry and television in, gen in, in general, I want you to look at the moral decay that has happened over the last 50 or 75 years. And it has been a methodical agenda that has been presented to us as cultural norms that says it's okay. Today, try to find something in any of those mediums or we can now, we deal with much broader things. We deal with the internet and YouTube and, and it's so much more broader now than just uh, the box that used to be preached against because it was never about a box. It's always been about what we are watching and what we are saying is okay and what we are setting before our eyes. But today, on every, on every front today, it seems that the whole shift in what has become culturally okay and acceptable. And I've just dealt, I've just spoken uh, about one issue tonight and so I'm going to use this one issue because there's many more that we could talk about but it is the cultural acceptance of same-sex marriage for instance the cultural acceptance as a matter of fact in a survey that was done about 20 years ago only 20 years ago not that long ago said that only about 3% of Americans actually participated in a same-sex union or relationship 20 years ago, only about 3%. Now with that 3%, that means 97% of culture says that normal is not what the 3% say is normal. But they're vocal. They put money behind it. And they then began to work very, very hard 
from places such as Hollywood, the movie industry, which are just a couple of areas that I've pointed out tonight. And I, want to, I don't want to bore you and belabor the point because I know you believe what I'm preaching and teaching tonight, but I'm trying to point out some things to you when it comes to how cultural, cultural changes happen because we are then through these programs that are brought into homes that do not believe and would never agree after day after day and week after week and month after month of enjoying the humor and the dialogue and watching it before long it starts see it starts seemingly to be acceptable and while you would never allow it in your home or in your family it becomes normal in your home and among your family by the medium in which you are bringing it into your home and now we start questioning what we one time would have said no way now we start saying maybe it's not so bad or everybody's doing it or it's prevalent among us when it's not nearly as prevalent as what it is wanting to be made to appear by the desensitization that happens through these mediums and so the spirit of our age is to unravel things that has been principles that we have stood for and stood by over the years. So this is a very, uh, we live in an age where humanism speaks louder in this generation than the word of God. They start, they start coming to us with things to rationalize and make the word of God irrelevant in our day. So this generation, this generation is self is a self-indulgent and self-glorifying generation. James says, submit yourself before the Lord and humble yourself in the sight of God. This neither of those terms seem to reflect anything that should be glorifying of, the, of one's own self. But the scripture teaches us humble ourselves and not exalt ourselves. But this generation has moved, has moved into, uh, into uh, the, the, the way this generation deals, deals with, with, uh, with these subjects. Uh, humility is, is seemingly lost in this culture. Uh, Self-exaltation seems to be okay. We kind of live in the selfie generation. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody on social media? To where every day it's like there's some people you can count on. You're going to see at least one. I have a, a, a classmate and I kind of chuckle at it. Uh, I got a classmate that uh, recently wrote a book on relationships. Uh, her husband passed away uh, maybe about two years ago. And since she's been through about seven or eight relationships, she must be the expert on relationships. So she's writing a book. And uh, so about, about at least two or three times a day and sometimes more is going to be, it's going to pop up on social media, a selfie of a different place that she's at and a different thing that she's doing. And, and it, it's a cultural thing we are becoming. This is, it's, it's self-marketing, self-exalting, self-promoting. Uh, self but the Bible tells us to submit ourselves to the Lord and humble ourselves. And then in due time, God will exalt us. So culture, culture is telling us it's okay. It's okay to exalt ourselves. It's what culture says. Culture says, culture says, exalt yourself. Culture says, promote yourself. But God says, humble yourself. He says, submit yourself. So you, this is, this is the, the, the shift of culture. So when we begin to deal with holiness, some of the very basic principles of holiness is the character and the manner in which we, we carry ourselves and the way that we respond in this society. We do not have to subs subscribe to this, this, the culture of this day that says, 
It's okay to always be exalting yourself. And it's okay to always be promoting yourself and advertising yourself and putting your... Because the scripture says if you will do it God's way, then the time will come that he will do the exalting. Another scripture, I'm not going to read it tonight, but another scripture says that either we will humble ourselves and be broken by the rock or the rock's going to fall on us and it's going to crush us and grind us to powder. But if we will, if we will, the principle taught here, if we will humble ourselves in due time, God will exalt us. So uh, another spirit of this age is, is that the spirit that works against honor and respect. The, the spirit that works against honor and respect. The spirit of this age says give honor to whom has earned honor and does what pleases me. In other words, I'll honor, I will honor those who please me. I will respect those who are, who are pleasing me or doing what I want them to do. But the Bible says for us to give honor because it is right. It is right to give honor. In Romans, Paul teaches us to give honor where honor is due. This is not something that is taught in this, in this day in which we live. In this day in which we live, they magnify Take, find the wildest, craziest, most off-the-wall extreme individuals that are have some form of popularity in this world, be it, a, be it a sports figure or be it a movie star or somebody with great, uh, with a, with a great uh, personal image in the world. And it is exalted. They are exalted and there's more talk about people who live at extremes. I know I'm dating myself and stepping way back when I talk about people, but one of the first in this arena, in the sports arena, was, was those of the like uh, of, of Dennis Rodman. How many of you remember Dennis Rodman, basketball player? How many of you remember how extreme, how extreme? Uh, he, he, and the more vile and the more extreme that he became, the more the media pushed him out and the more money that he made and the more popular he became. And it was because of his extremes. Do you know what would have been the greatest fix for that? If the 95% of the world that thought he was off his rocker would have just said, I don't want to see anything or have anything to do with that, just shut that down. I'm not going to be a fan. I'm not. He may be talented and gifted in athletics, but I'm not going to promote. I'm not going to buy. I'm not going. I'm going to. Sh if, if the world would have responded, what would have become of that? But because this crazy bad news sells and this. In this world in which we live, the lack of respect, rudeness to his referees on the court and, and the lack of respect to, to coaches and anyone who was in authority, uh, it, it begins to sell. Music, the music industry. Uh, I, I, let me get on the music industry a little bit tonight. The music industry particularly has been so extremely vile. Some of the music that you may walk through the store and hear playing and say, hey, that's a cool beat, that's a, that's a cool tune, it sounds good. I have no idea what they're saying, but I just kind of like, like the rhythm to it. Listen up to some of the lyrics and some of the words, and you may be embarrassed, literally embarrassed by it. But culture, see this is where culture begins to shape. So for you and I, we're, we laugh it off, oh it's not going to affect me. Maybe not, but it's going to affect the world because it affects our kids. And the young minds that are listening to it and begin to live it out. Long before the world was full of school shootings and now Walmart shootings and you name the places, postal shootings, go back. Go back 25 years ago and listen to some of the lyrics and as they begin to shift and magnify such extremes today, it's being lived out. Do I have my liberty tonight? Can I step into the world of video games? 
I'm not, I'm not preaching against any of these things. I'm talking about paying attention to how it shapes culture. This is why you need to put limits on yourself. In your, it's all right to put limits and say, hey, we're going to do this. And it's okay to say no to certain things. No is an answer. And so it's okay to say no to certain things and to say that, that's extreme. We're not going there. We're not going to do that. But now, and, and you're reading about it and hearing about it, kids that grow up playing some of the violent video games in which there's a lot of shooting and blood and people and, and give them two minutes and all of a sudden they power back up and they're back operating again. It doesn't work like that in real life. But in a desensitized culture, that has been desensitized by some of the games that they've been playing in their mind. They're not living in the reality that when I pull this trigger, that family lost a loved one and this is permanent. This is not a video game I'm living out when in a movie theater 20-something people lose their life. That does. This is a real world, but through the desensitizing of our, from our culture, it is now affecting. This is why that as a church that we take a stand on some of these issues and begin to declare we must put our feet on the ground and we must put limits in for our family. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Well, mom and dad, my friends don't, don't limit these things. My friends can watch anything they want. My friends can go anywhere they want. It's okay to say no because we are different from the world. Now, I know, I know, I know. I know the statement that I just made, clipped and put on social media. You know what it would do? It would have a firestorm of people saying CLC is becoming a cult. Because the definition of a cult is anything that moves outside of social norms. No, I still have social norms, but my norms are based in the Word of God and the culture that God says the world ought to have. Not a culture that this modern generation is trying to force down my throat and tell me this is normal, this is okay. Forget what this book says. We are a separate people. We are a people of holiness and righteousness that lives in the world but lives above the sin that is in this world. The spirit of this age sees the church differently. Talked to my dad many times, and he said, "Son, you pastor in such a different generation." And the way my my dad pastored, and sometimes we in in phone conversations, he'll say, "Well, what you need to do is," and then he'll stop and laugh, and he'll say, "That's what I would have done in my generation." But I know you probably wouldn't have any members left if you did what I would have done. And it's because the spirit of this age sees the church as a human institution. I hear more today, I don't need the church. I don't need the church. I can have God without the church. This generation has lost respect for everything, including themselves. And they have lost the value of the church. The gathering together of God's people. I thought Brother Brandon Newcomer pointed out something so great when he talked about the word church and the translation of the word church, if you were here Sunday night, you heard him mention it. And I hope it didn't just skip over you. Because when he was talking about it, he said, the way we use the word today, I'm just going to, for those of you that may not have been here Sunday night, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share again what he said because it, I thought it was incredibly powerful. The way that we use the word church, when we speak of church, the first thought that comes to mind is a building. And in the building we put people but the word church actually properly translated would mean, uh, Brother Brandon said, properly translated and used according to its actual intent had no relationship to building, but it had everything to do with assembling. It was a gathering. It was the people, not the building. It was the gathering together. It was the people. And so today people, people it, it's so common and, and I see it often. I see it often where people, I don't believe in organized religion. 
a young lady that came up through our Christian school and attended church. And I know her family attended church here one time. And I, I was trying to reach out to her and talk to her as I bumped into her in the community. And she always had such a bright smile and always enjoyed talking to her. And, and in, in my discussion, I said, you need to come see us sometimes. And she, says, she said to me, she said, you know, I have reevaluated my thoughts toward church. And I no longer believe in organized religion. I said, really? I didn't really know what to say. I was a little lost. The deal is, is if we're not careful, if we're not careful, now this is someone who they this is someone who attended church as a child, who grew up as part of this church, as a matter of fact, and and with 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 their family, and they strayed away from the Lord. And now no longer believes in or, organized religion was the word. And I began to think about that and and do we, do we understand that, that the idea of the church was not man's idea? Church was God's idea. So when people don't believe in organized religion, they need to understand it was God that said forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Understand, this is not a man. This is, this is the inspired word of God forsaking not the assembling, the coming together. Culture says, it's alright, attend church on Christmas and Easter. Claim yourself to be a Christian and that's all that matters. But God says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. This is God, this is God, this is His Word. This is what He says to us, forsaking not. And we need to make sure that we're very clear that it is culture. It is culture that tries to, to, to move away from the assembling of ourselves as the Bible teaches, being faithful. The spirit of this, this age sees the church as a human institution and sees the church not belonging to God, but belonging to them. Belonging to them. Therefore, I thank, I thank God for our leaders. I thank God for our leaders, our board of trustees, our workers. And I'm, I'm ever so grateful that they're easy to work with. And as the pastor, I don't live every week worried that I'm going to get called on the carpet over what I preach or what I teach or what I can say, I can tell you that I have never, ever, ever in 17 years, I have never been called in by the board over something that I have said or something that I have preached. I, I nev never, never want to, I thank God for that, that I am given, that the pulpit in this church is given the liberty to take the word of God and to preach the word of God without fear or favor. But culture, but culture, let me tell you where churches are today. Many, many churches have moved to the point where I literally have heard of pastors who have to prepare their sermon and present it to a pulpit committee, committee for their review and approval before it is ever preached in the pulpit on Sunday. What they've done is they've hired themselves a preacher. I'm going to tell you that was never God's intent. I don't think the, the Apostle Paul didn't submit the book of Corinthians and say, hey guys, y'all review this and tell me what you like and what you don't like. Or the book of Galatians that says, hey, review this and tell me what you think about the grace of God and the law. He never went to, he, he said, this is what God has to say. This is what God is wanting to do. Thank God for a church that we can stand on the word of God and declare, this is what God says. This is what God wants us to do. This is the direction God wants us to go. Culture's trying to change these things. They're trying to make us outdated. This is not man's church. This is God's church. The spirit of this age sees God's work as something that is done by church staff and preachers. Saints volunteer when it's convenient, but the work of the church is left within the four walls and those who are employed by 
and paid by the church. That was never, ever, ever the intention of Scripture. We are the church, and the great commandment is not just for the preacher or for those called to preach, but we are to go out into all the world. The great commission was not just for those who were employed by the church, but the great commission is for every person who has been born again of the water and of the spirit. The spirit of this age gives with attachment. Their giving is not giving unto God, but it's giving, it's giving with attachment. Number five, the spirit of this age sees unity in the church as irrelevant to salvation. But the word of God tells us that unity is not only the key to revival and growth, but unity is relevant to our salvation. The spirit of this age works more toward manipulating people to get the response that they want. These are some of, these are some of the humanistic ideas. I never want them to be part of the church. I never want it to be part of the church. Let me just, let me just talk to you. Am I all right tonight? Am I still safe? Am I going to be hired at the end of service tonight? I'm only kidding. Let me talk to you tonight. I believe in the fivefold ministry. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. I believe that God literally speaks to people. I believe that there are people that, that have certain gifts that are supernatural gifts that are given to God. I believe those gifts are for the church. I believe that all of the spiritual gifts, I believe there are nine spiritual gifts, and I believe they're all for the church. I believe the fivefold ministry is for the church. The scripture teaches it's for the church. And so I'm okay when somebody comes in and has a word of prophecy, as long as it is a word of prophecy from God. I heard about, I heard about a, a, a pastor, Brother Danny's going to know who I'm talking about. Now, now, when I make statements like that very loosely, he, he's not one of us, all right? So, so you don't have to wonder who I'm talking about. But, but we, we have a form of connection with this person that went somewhere down south and was preaching and uh, he, uh, he's a prophet, but it's spelled a little different. It's, it's spelled P-R-O-F-I-T. He's a prophet. You get that. He was preaching somewhere down south, and he was calling people out left and right. And finally, the pastor got up and set him down because he called out the pastor's mother-in-law. And uh, he, used, he used a name and started dealing with certain things. And the pastor finally got up and said, you just connected with her on social media a few days ago. But that's actually not her name. She just uses that name on Facebook. And so he was kind of busted. He was telling her all sorts of things that he knew about her. And he said, have I ever met you before? Have we ever talked before? And then, no, no, no. Well, he had been, he had been snooping on Facebook so that he could prophesy. Or as some say, prophelie. I'm not interested in those kind of ministries. There is a purpose and a reason for prophetic ministry. These ministries are important, but they are they are gift they are giftings that are given by God for God by God and for the church. And I'm, I'm all for these, for these ministries. I'm never going to, I don't want to, to hinder them. But, uh, you know, you may, you may hear of, well, I wonder why a pastor doesn't have prophet so-and-so come and preach here. Man, he draws a crowd and he's really good. Well, maybe, I've, maybe I'm just not comfortable with prophet so-and-so. Maybe I heard, heard a story somewhere. And so my point is the spirit of this age doesn't care. They, it's sensationalism. And that spirit of sensationalism has moved into the church. It becomes sensational. It's sensational. Our music and worship, I thank God for a great, very gifted and talented music team. But I never want these people on this platform to be, to be our entertainment for 30 or 40 minutes before the preacher gets up. 
never should be entertainment. I was listening to Brother Isaac hit a few licks on that bass tonight. I, I, I heard you. I was, I was watching you. I, but I never, I enjoyed it. God gets glory out of it. Brother Isaac's humble about it. But he's gifted in what he does. Sister Cheryl, Brother Danny, they're all very gifted. All of our musicians, all of our singers, they're gifted. I enjoy it. I love it. It creates an atmosphere of worship. But it's not about entertainment. And neither should, should the ministry we ought to not, we ought to, you know, I understand, I understand that sometimes we hear the same preachers and it becomes redundant and a new fresh voice, but we need to be very careful that it doesn't become, that, that, that the gifts of the Spirit in operation in the church doesn't become something that is, that is sensational. And we start following personalities instead of following God. Because those personalities can fall. They can mess up. They can fall by the wayside. Never get preacher religion. I do my best, but don't get preacher religion. This world in which we live, it magnifies sensationalism. The gifts of the Spirit people in this assembly that are used in the gifts of the Spirit. Make sure that before you operate in the gift of the Spirit, you operate in the gift of wisdom. Oh, I thought I'd have got an amen a little stronger. I thought I'd have got an amen a little stronger. We need the gift of wisdom. The Spirit of this age, the Spirit of this age, sees unity in the church as irrelevant. We fail to remember that unity in the church was never man's idea, but God's idea. I've got to hurry. I've got about 10 minutes left. I'm going to try to wrap this up. I've got about five more to go. I'm halfway there. Am I doing okay? The spirit of this age sees themselves at the center of their own universe and think that the world revolves around them. Is that not a great example of the spirit of this age in which we live. That the world revolves around them. God wants me to be happy. He's more concerned about my preferences. Do it my way. Number seven, the spirit of this age refuses accountability. Look at your neighbor, if you can, with a little smirk on your face, of course, with a wink in your eye. This is just to wake everybody up. But I want you to just ask them, are you accountable? Now would you look at them and really ask them, who are you accountable to? Who are you accountable to? Everybody needs to be accountable. The spirit of this age refuses accountability. Refuses accountability. They, they, they want to be accountable to somebody that don't know them. They want to be accountable to somebody that, that's, that's far off at another distance that doesn't know who they are, doesn't know what they're doing. You know, I, I'm, I tell you, I'm, I'm going to be accountable to that televangelist. That televangelist is just taking your money. You're not accountable to him. He doesn't know who you are. Just because he looks, on the, looks at you on that television screen and points his finger and says, you right there, yes, you. We must be accountable. Number eight, the spirit of this age often defies the word of God unapologetically. So what the Bible says. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. Number nine, the spirit of this age caters to the flesh instead of denying the flesh. I'm going to try to pull all this together really quickly in my wrap up here in a few minutes. Number, number 10, the spirit of this age lives after the flesh. But the scripture says, those who are Christ do mortify the deeds of the flesh. We do destroy the deeds of the flesh. The scripture is full that we are to die out to the flesh. We are to crucify the flesh. But the spirit of this age says, do what feels good. Do what makes you happy. Do what you want. 
do whatever. It doesn't really matter. The spirit of this age builds alliances with the world. But the scripture says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We're talking about basic holiness here. It comes down to where is your heart? Let's talk about where your heart is. Where is your heart? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. We must strive to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. I was talking to someone some time back, and they were talking about they were talking about a failure of an individual. And I'm not talking about something something simple. I'm talking about a very blatant, strong, outward, uh, very public uh, moral failure. Uh, wrecking families and homes and lives and children hurt and people lost over it and the per the person that was discussing what had transpired looked at me and said regarding the person that, that had destroyed so many lives and had made such a wreck and caused so much confusion and their their response was so what I was as puzzled as you are right now. So what? So what? So so what? And my response back is simply this. So so what does the Bible say? Everybody's doing it. This is not uncommon. People do this all the time. That is the spirit of this age. Just because my mama used to say Son, just because everybody else jumps off the cliff doesn't mean you got to go jump off the cliff. It doesn't matter that everybody else is doing it. But the church needs to lose the so what attitude when it comes to issues of sin and what we tolerate. The Apostle Paul people say, well, it doesn't matter, God can forgive. Yes, it does. But he also says, do we continue in sin that grace may abound? Uh-oh, that's going to make somebody scratch their hair. God forbid. But we are to change our actions, change our life, fix our wrongs, turn our life around. It still matters. It still matters what the Bible says. So when the so what spirit is the spirit of this age and if we're not careful it can creep into the church and we can all get a so what attitude. It doesn't really matter. It, what matters is what the word of God declares. I'm more concerned about what God says than what all my friends on social media say. Now, I've talked about a lot of other mediums, but social media in of itself has become an alliance to where people look for somebody. If I can, if I can make this statement and get enough likes, it must mean it's right. If I can have enough friends agree with me and affirm me on social media, it must mean it's right. If I can find a meme that's created in some closet in New York City that somebody that I don't know has made and makes money off of the clicks, that says what I want to say, that looks and sounds profound, it must mean that it is right. Not unless it is scripturally right. This is the spirit in, uh, of this age. The spirit of the world in which we live. That people are looking for affirmation, but they're looking for affirmation in all of the wrong places. Back to my text and in closing, here is what the Bible says. Submit yourself to God. That means submit yourself to His word and to His way. Humble yourself, therefore, before the Lord. I'm not humbling myself before Brother Danny. He's my brother-in-law and he's my friend. But humbling myself before him and him saying, oh, you're good. You're right. It doesn't matter. I need the approval of God. 
I need God to approve of me. God to approve of my life. In my holiness, it doesn't matter what the rest of the world says. It matters what God says. I need God to affirm me. He says, humble yourself. Submit yourself. If we, saying of God, if in your holiness life, your goal would be to submit yourself to God, I'm going to tell you what will happen in due time. He will exalt you. Humble yourself. Submit yourself. And in due time, the Lord himself will exalt you. He will lift you up. That means that when God decides, I've been watching them. I've seen their prayer. I've seen their dedication. I've seen their consecration. I've seen them take a stand when the rest of the world does whatever it wants to do. In due time, God is going to say, it's time to exalt you. And when God exalts you, nobody can bring you down. Because I would rather be exalted by God than man any day. Because a man that exalts you can take away the exaltation and cause you to stumble and fall. But when God exalts you, we become a city that is set on a hill. Oh, anybody with me tonight? We are, we are able to affect the entire world. Our holiness, our holiness is not, it's, it's, our holiness is not about the approval of man. It's not about the judgment of man and, and list of do's and don'ts, but it is about resisting the spirit of this age and the spirit of this world and declaring, I I will stand alone. If I'm the lone voice crying in the wilderness, I'm going to be the lone voice standing for the Word of God. Is that what you want tonight? You want the Word of God in your life. Why don't we stand together? Thank you for your attention tonight. Let's lift our hands toward heaven and thank God for His Word tonight. Lord, we thank you for your Word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I pray tonight, God, over this congregation, over this assembly of people, I pray, Lord, that your Word finds an establishment in every life. Let it grow like seed in our lives. Lord, that we may grow to become what you want us to be. Lord, that we would resist the temptations and the cries of the world and hear the voice of God and be led by God. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to live this wonderful life of holiness.